Good morning, everybody. We're reading this morning from John chapter 16, verses 5 to 33. But now I am going to ask him who sent me. None of you asks, where are you going? Where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. Very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment, about sin because people do not believe in me, about righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will only speak what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said, to the, said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Jesus went on to say, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. At this some of his disciples said to one another, What does he mean by saying, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me, and because I am going to the Father? They kept asking, What does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he is saying. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this, so he said to them, Are you asking one another what I meant when I said, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Though I have been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language but will talk, tell you plainly about my Father. In that day, you will ask in my name. I am not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I am leaving the world and going back to the Father. Then Jesus' disciples said, Now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. Do you now believe? Jesus replied. A time is coming 
and in fact has come when you will be scattered each to your own home. You will leave me all alone. Yet I am not alone for my Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble but take heart I have overcome the world. Well hello again everybody Uh, my name is Scott I'm one of the pastors here at Trinity Church Modbury and I'm just going to take us through for the next little while um, thinking a little bit more about the passage that Christine just read from us, read for us. But we do live in strange times right now, don't we? We've got church coming to you live into your own homes at the moment. Perhaps some of us are still in our pyjamas. Perhaps some of us are still in bed even. Uh, but welcome, wherever you're up to. We do live in strange times though. Uh, I was thinking to myself just the other day that this kind of thing just doesn't happen, does it? I mean, maybe I see it on the news and it happens somewhere else. Maybe I see it in a movie and it happens in pretend, but this doesn't happen to me, not in my life. These are times of uncertainty. Last week we were together at Modbury School Hall. This week we're in our own homes. In fact, I think perhaps uh, one of the most fitting songs for the time right now is from Frozen 2. Do you know the one? Uh, Into the Unknown. Uh, Elsa sings about going into uh, an unknown part of the world for her. Although she says there's always a part of her that's wanted to go there. Whereas I I suspect for us, most of us don't want to go there at all. Most of us would like life to return to normal. And amidst all of this uncertainty and the strangeness, wouldn't you love to know what Jesus would say to us right now? Wouldn't you love to know what Jesus would tell us to do? Wouldn't you love to see Jesus in a, in a time like this? I think that's a question we ask ourselves a lot, or we ask a lot. And if only Jesus were here, then, well, if only Jesus were here, then I'd believe because I could see him. Or my friends would believe because they could see him. If only Jesus were here, I could ask all the things I want to ask. I would know all the things I need to know. If only Jesus were here, I'd be at peace. And Jesus isn't unaware of these concerns that we have. In fact, these were the very concerns his disciples had. Recently, in Trinity Church Modbury, we've been reading through the Gospel of John. It's a book in the Bible. It's written by a guy called John, surprisingly. Uh, He was one of Jesus' close friends. And he he wrote a story just about Jesus' life, kind of like a biography. And recently in, in, in the biography, Jesus had said, I'm leaving, I'm going to leave you guys. And the disciples didn't know what to make of this. They wanted him to stay. How could they function if Jesus goes? How can he leave us now? He's the central thing to everything we're doing. And so what we've seen in the last few weeks is is, is the way that Jesus is preparing them, preparing them for the uncertain times ahead. And today Jesus is going to say something that would have surprised his disciples at the time, and it might surprise us as well. Jesus says, it's good that I'm going. Jesus says, it's good that I'm not here. Uh, If you've got your Bibles there, keep them open because I'll keep referring to it as we go through. Uh, But if you look at verse 7, the start of verse 7, Jesus says to his disciples, 
But very truly I tell you, it is good for you that I'm going away. I think, why? why? Why would it be good if Jesus is gone? And he tells the answer in the second part of verse 7. He says, unless I go away, the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. There are really three things uh, I'm going to say this morning. And here they are. It's good to have the Spirit because the Spirit brings conviction the Spirit brings understanding, and the Spirit brings joy. Uh, you should be able to see these, uh, the outline, those points on the side of your screen there, just to the right, I hope. But let's, let's go through them now. First point, the Spirit brings conviction. Most of us think the Holy Spirit is at work in the lives of Christians, uh, perhaps even if you're tuning in today and you're not a follower of Jesus, you, you would have heard about the Holy Spirit and heard that he does something for Christians. But Jesus is saying something interesting here. He's saying that the Spirit is at work in the world. So look at verse 8 with me again. Jesus says, When he, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. Do you see there what the Spirit is doing? He, he's at work in the world. He's convicting people all over the world. And at first that might sound a little bit negative to be convicted or, or proved wrong. Uh, proving the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. It sounds negative. But actually it's a really good thing, a really positive thing. The Spirit shows the world it's wrong about these things. The Spirit shows the world that Jesus really is the one worth believing in. That Jesus really is the righteous and good one. That judgment really is coming. The Spirit shows the world, essentially, that the world has got Jesus wrong. But as the Spirit shows the world that it's got Jesus wrong, he then changes people as well. He turns people so they start believing in him. Without conviction, without being proved wrong, people never change. And the Spirit brings that conviction that leads to change. <clears throat> uh, I hate being told I'm wrong. But uh, sometimes I need to be. I remember when I started to play football, I was about 13 years old. I joined a team full of people who'd been playing for a few years already and they all knew how to tackle, but I didn't. And so the coach kept, um, kept, kept, kept me doing this drill time and time again. So I'd learn. He'd say, no, you got it wrong. Here's how you do it. Go and do it again. No, you got it wrong. No, you still got it wrong. No, you still got it wrong. Go and do it again. And it was a bit embarrassing at the time because none of the other teammates I was playing with, they'd all, all moved on to do something else. They understood this already. And there was me who, time after time after time, I still didn't get it. But it was an important thing to be told I was wrong. Because if I went and played a game, and if I didn't know how to tackle in the game, well, there'd be knees to the face and all sorts of things that aren't pretty. Nevertheless, it's, it's, that's a similar kind of thing of what's going on here with the Spirit. The Spirit might tell me I'm wrong, 
But that's a good thing. Because he then leads me to change and to get Jesus right. And from my own personal experience, I can tell you that he did that for me. Uh, Personally, for me, I had been in churches for ages. Grew up in churches, spent years there. I'd heard it all hundreds of times before. But I still didn't believe in Jesus. I guess I just didn't think I was that bad. But one day, the Spirit convicted me. He showed me I was wrong about Jesus. He proved to me that I wasn't as good as I thought. He turned me back to Jesus. Uh, Recently, I saw a panel discussion. Three guys had just watched a movie. The movie was called Missing. It was a dramatization of the story of Jesus' resurrection. Uh, and then, so after they, they watched the movie, and these three guys sit down afterwards together to talk about it. There's a, a screenwriter, a mathematician, and a Bible college principal. Anyhow, as, as they're going along there, the mathematician uh, says that he's an atheist, and um, that he wasn't convinced by the movie that it was terribly good at convincing him to be uh, someone who should follow Jesus. And so some of the other panellists, they asked him, well, what would convince you to follow Jesus then? And he thought about it for a little while. And he came back and he said, look, I guess if I saw Jesus with my own eyes, then I'd believe. I think many people today would agree with him, would say the same thing as him. You know, if, if, sure, if I saw Jesus, if he came here and stood in front of me, then I guess I'd believe, I guess I'd be a follower. But do you see what Jesus is saying here? He's saying, it's good that I'm going. Because then the Spirit will come. And it's the Spirit who's the convicting proof. The Spirit will convict the world. The Spirit will convict people all over the world that they've got Jesus wrong. But they can also turn back and trust him and follow him. He's to say, we don't need Jesus to come down again. We need the Spirit. So if you're a follower of Jesus with us today, tuning in, I just want to say, doesn't this give you every reason to talk about Jesus? Every reason to be open about your faith and to invite others to check out Jesus for themselves. Because... The Spirit's at work in the world. You might feel like you've got nothing to say, uh, but, but if the Spirit's at work, and if he's convicting people, then imagine what could happen if you opened your mouth. And sure, we're in unusual times. Social distancing, there's no big crowd gatherings, and for some people there's isolation even. But we'll still talk to our neighbours over the fence. We'll still be on the phone to our friends and FaceTiming with our families and whatever else. We'll still be interacting. And so in these times, friends, I just wanted to encourage you. Keep being open about your faith. Keep inviting people to check out Jesus. Because the Spirit's at work. He's at work in the world. Convicting, proving, and changing people.
that's the first point. The Spirit brings conviction. But the second point, the Spirit brings understanding. You see that in verse 12. Uh, verse 12, Jesus says to the disciples, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. Now, Jesus is saying something really profound here. He says he's got heaps more that he wants to tell the disciples, but he's not going to do that because right now they can't bear it. Which is actually then why it's good that Jesus is going to go because he'll send the Spirit and the Spirit will be the one who will guide the disciples in all truth. Uh, Over the years, plenty of people have wanted to talk with Jesus. In fact, if you've ever played that game where you ask your friends, oh, you know, you could have four people over for dinner. Four people, doesn't that dead or alive, uh, doesn't matter. Who would you have over for dinner? And so many people choose Jesus at this point. And not just people of faith, but all sorts of people want to ask Jesus questions, tough questions, and, and they want to get Jesus' guidance in life. They want to hear his assessment of the situation in the world. But do you notice what Jesus is saying here? Jesus is saying, if you really want to understand, if you really want to know, you don't need me. You need the Holy Spirit. And if you think about it, that the life of the 12 disciples actually shows, it, shows this to us. Because they had Jesus. They, they followed him. They had direct personal access to him. They could ask him anything they wanted, and they did, but it didn't do them any good, did it? You know, at this point in John, uh, they've been with Jesus for about three years, and they still don't get it. In verse 29 and 30, they say, look, we finally understand you now, Jesus. But look at Jesus' response then in verse 31. Do you now believe? He says, And then he goes on to say that they really don't get it yet. They don't get him yet. They don't understand. And so they're going to scatter and leave him alone. These guys had Jesus right there with them. But it didn't make a difference. They still didn't understand. And and it's not that there's anything wrong with Jesus there. It's not that there's anything defective about Jesus. It's just that the disciples and we... We need something else. If we really want to understand, we need the Spirit to do a work in us, to change us from the inside out. We need the Spirit to guide us in the truth that Jesus gives us. And that's what the Spirit does. Again, look at verses, uh, verse 13, verse 13. <coughs> Pardon me. Uh, Jesus says, He, the Holy Spirit, He will not speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears, and He will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me, because it's from me that He'll receive what He'll make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That's why I said, The Spirit will receive from me what He will make known to you. You see there what the Spirit does? He, he, he's not speaking His own words. He's passing on truth. That is, the Father gives to Jesus, and the Spirit passes this on from Jesus to us. 
You see, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are all speaking the same truth. The Spirit brings that truth to us. And notice there too, that the Father's not stingy either. He gives everything to Jesus. And this is what the Spirit takes and makes known to us. That is, the Spirit gives us understanding of everything the Father wants us to know. We miss out on nothing. And we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, so I'm not going to say, uh, I'm not going to labor the point too much now. But I just I wanted to remind us again that it, it, when we read the Bible, that's when the Spirit guides us in truth. We don't want to separate the Spirit and the Word of God from one another. Because that's how the Spirit works. He, 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 he makes God's written word in the Bible known to us, fresh to us. He empowers us by it. So again, I want to say, though we might have lots of questions, though we might want to know more, and especially in such a time of uncertainty, we might want to know more. But God has not been stingy with us. Everything he wants us to know we have access to. And into the uncertain times we live in, that's something that's something that's sure because truth from God doesn't change. So let me encourage you then, whether you're a follower of Jesus or even if you're not, isn't now a great time to delve into the Bible? And to be led by the Spirit in understanding, in knowing truth. And who knows, maybe you'll have a bit more time on your hands soon. And maybe after a few days in the house, Netflix won't be quite so appealing anymore. Why not use this time to open up the Bible? Even if you don't own one, there's plenty of online Bibles, just Google it. Why not use this time to be guided into all truth by the Spirit as he makes the spiritual words of the Bible come to life for us? Because without the Spirit, there really is no understanding of Jesus. But with the Spirit, there is real understanding. The Spirit brings conviction, the Spirit brings understanding, and finally, thirdly, the Spirit brings joy. So in verse 16, Jesus says this, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. And this causes confusion for the disciples. They don't know what he means, and you can see it at the end of verse 18, they say, we don't understand what he's saying. Uh, and Jesus perceives what's happening here, and so he answers them. In verse 20, he says, Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. So, see, Jesus is talking about his death and resurrection here. In a little while, he'll die. He'll be crucified. And at that time, the disciples, well, they'll weep, they'll mourn, they'll grieve. But then after a little while, well, Jesus will be resurrected. He'll come back to life. And the disciples will see him again. And in that moment, their tears of sorrow will become tears of joy. 
to the verse 22, Jesus said to them, Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. Just, I mean, what a promise there. No one will take away your joy. To really understand this, I think we've got to put ourselves in the shoes of the disciples. I mean, these guys are born into a world where they're taught about God all the time, right from when they're little. And they're part of a nation here. Um, it, it, their nation is, is bound together, not by sport or food, but they're bound together by their beliefs about God. And as a nation, they're waiting. God has promised them one who will come and who will rescue them, who will bring this little nation out of obscurity back to prominence. One who will lead them in pleasing God and being a light to the other nations around them. And that's what these disciples have been waiting for all their lives. And along comes Jesus. And they think, guys, we've found it. We've found the one. After waiting for hundreds of years, here he is in front of them. And so they give up everything. They walk away from their jobs. They leave their homes for extended periods of time. For them now, life revolves around Jesus because they know God's great plan through the ages, it's all coming together in this guy. But soon, the unthinkable is about to happen. This guy they've followed, that they've left everything behind for, soon he's going to be executed. He's going to be strung up on a cross. He's going to die. And his body is going to be laid to rest. Can you imagine for a moment the grief that these men will endure? For them, life had been headed down this path, but suddenly it's all come to a screeching halt. But Jesus says to them, that grief that you're going to experience, it will not last. Joy is coming because I'll be resurrected. You will see me again. And no one, no one will take your joy away. When it comes to us, that's the age, the time that we live in. Jesus has risen from the dead. And so for those of us who follow Jesus, he says, no one will take away your joy. But let me ask you a question at that point. Is that really your experience? In fact, let me play devil's advocate for a moment. Let's say I know some people who follow Jesus. I've seen their life. I've been their friends for a while. And they go through the same thing as everybody else. Yes, there are times of joy. But aren't there times of sadness? Of loss? Of heartache and uncertainty for them too? Yes. So, playing devil's advocate. So Jesus says he brings joy. But in reality... He doesn't deliver at all. If we're honest, 
Don't we feel like that sometimes? Isn't that what we're thinking when we hear Jesus say this? We, whether we follow Jesus or not, our experience tells us that simply following Jesus, simply making that choice, that doesn't make your life permanently full of joy and happiness. So I just want to clarify here what Jesus is saying, what Jesus isn't saying. Firstly, Jesus is not saying, he's not saying, follow me and your life will just be sunshine and roses from now on. No, 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 no. Because like everyone, uh, followers of Jesus will have good times and bad times as well. But I think Jesus, Jesus is saying this. He's saying the circumstances of our lives may go up or down. But if you follow me, if you put your trust in me, then there's an even deeper joy that you can have. That even when a joy that will persist, even when the circumstances of your life go wrong. And Jesus says he can bring this to us because in his resurrection, he starts something new. He starts a new age, a new period of time. We now today live in a world when a human has come back to life, when a human has come back from being dead, when Jesus has been resurrected. That's the world we now live in. This has profound consequences. It means that death no longer has the last word. And so for those who trust Jesus, it means that he now brings a secure future. A new future, one of life, even beyond death. One of healing, even to the deepest wounds. It's the kind of future that brings joy. Not only brings joy in the future, but brings joy in the here and now. You see, we might have the best laid plans. We might think we've uh, future-proofed our lives. But then something like coronavirus comes along and we're thrown into the chaos. Some of us lose our jobs and wonder where's the next paycheck going to come from. For some of us, our stock market portfolio is reduced to nothing, and we wonder, what does this mean for my retirement? For some of us, our, our longed-for family holiday gets cancelled, and we think, well, what am I going to do now? We live in a time when our very lives are put at risk simply by shaking hands with someone. And so through a time like this, we're reminded just how uncertain life really is. And into the midst of that uncertainty, Jesus brings a future that is sure. A future with him. A future that's good. So even as life has its ups and downs, for those who follow Jesus, there is a joy to be had a joy that no one can take away. So let me end by simply asking you this question.
How will you keep this joy at the forefront of your life in the coming weeks? Let me pray for us, friends. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the Spirit. We thank you that he brings us conviction and turns us to Jesus. We thank you that he brings us understanding and guides us in truth. We thank you that by the Spirit, we can be united to Jesus and so have a certain future. So please help us, Father, in the coming days to be those characterized by joy. Not because the situation in the world is great, but because Jesus has won for us that certain future. That he's won life for us and healing for us. Help us to be those characterized by joy in these truths. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.